بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد ولنبلونكم بشيء من الخوف والجوع ونقص من الأموال والأنفس والثمرات وبشر الصابرين الذين إذا أصابتهم مصيبة قالوا إنا لله وإنا إليه راجعون صدق الله العظيم Our dear friends and brothers and sisters we are clearly going through some very unprecedented trials at this point um, this virus which is going around uh, has produced um, some very difficult challenges and for a lot of people for a lot of people they feel like this is unsurmountable allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has uh, in no way in any place in the quran assured us that you will never go through any difficulties in fact ibn ata'illah al-iskandari mentions that when a difficulty arises when a loss occurs when there's a problem then just understand that that's the nature of this world so whenever something occurs in this world if we're understanding and comprehending that it's inevitable that this world will produce something like this because there's no assurance and guarantee provided that no such loss will occur then we're no longer so surprised and at this point there's just huge despondency and hopelessness going through the communities it's as if some people have resigned to the fact that they are definitely going to die and while for a person to be prepared to die is a wonderful thing if they make the right choices they make the right take the right measures in their life to purify themselves to remove their debts to clear their balances that's very important to clear your balances at any time anyway but this sense of hysteria that's where the bigger problem is muslims should be willing to die because it's inevitable it's going to happen there's no difference about it there's no doubt about it and whether you die today or tomorrow inevitably it's going to happen at some time or the other anyway so it's a important time to give to raise the hopes because that's the way we're going to get through this inshallah with some strength to build a strength to work in harmony to assist one another and shaitan is always around so shaitan uses these moments these occasions every occasion in fact to try to create some kind of discord disunity weakness and weakness is something that we need to avoid we need strength strength is through unity it's from mutual advice we need to assist one another we need to raise each other's hopes condemnation just because somebody may not be doing what you want them to do what you think is right even if it is right because by condemning someone you don't exactly get them to change and you try to convince them in a way that's going to get to somebody's heart so today what i want to do is to try to provide some hope and nobody can provide us better hope then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator of this universe he's the creator of everything that goes on he's the administrator of the affairs of this earth of this world of our lives 
Everything that's happening here is done through his will, through his predetermination and for the ultimate wisdom. And while it's created huge bewilderment, including everybody from the government down as to how to deal with this, what should be our way forward, we're all learning. Unprecedented that masjids should have so few people to pray in, no people to pray in, masjids being shut and so on. These are unprecedented times. So what exactly does the Prophet say about this? So before I translate and explain the verse that I read earlier, I'm going to explain some of the hadiths that are related to this. Firstly, there's a hadith related by Imam Bukhari and Muslim who relate it from Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said مَا يُسِيبُ الْمُسْلِمْ مِن نَصَبٍ وَلَا وَصَبٍ وَلَا هَمٍ وَلَا حُزْنٍ وَلَا أَذَن وَلَا غَمٍ حَتَّى الشَّوْكَةَ يُشَاكُهَا إِلَّا كَفَّرَ اللَّهُ بِهَا مِن خَطَايَاهَا it's a very important hadith, it's something that we need to keep in mind all the time. What the Prophet is saying here is that any Muslim who experiences any form of hardship, any form of difficulty, whether that be a runny nose, whether that be shortness of breath, whether that be a headache, a cough, and not even oneself, but a difficulty that they see and they feel because their loved one is going through this. They see a loved one, an elderly person in the family who's going through difficulty. So any Muslim, and as I said, this is the richness of this tradition. That it's not just what you feel for yourself and something being afflicted by oneself, but even the affliction of one another, if that's going to perturb you, then look at what the Prophet is saying. That any Muslim who experiences any hardship, discomfort, worry, sorrow, grief, distress, Pretty much everything you can think of. I mean, all of those words are very similar anyway. But any sort of worry, grief, concern, even a thorn prick, smallest thorn prick, Allah will make it an atonement for their sins. Now, if you put this in perspective of this world, you think, well, what's purification of sin got to do with this world? You need belief to understand this. Belief in the hereafter. Because for a believer in the hereafter, the ultimate success, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ the ultimate success for a believer is the purity of the hereafter, satisfaction of God, pleasure of Allah, which is assisted by being purified, tawbah. So all of these things are being used as an excuse to purify one's sins. When a person is less sin, when a person has less sin, there are huge benefits. You're carrying less burden. It's carrying less filth. If you give sins, if we give sins a physical entity as such and we have so many sins we're lumbered by them we're burdened by them we find it difficult to move we're not flexible enough we're not swift we're not fast enough when you remove the sins when you remove filth from yourself you feel cleaner you feel lighter and inshallah by that the blessing occurs and that's what's very important that we're getting a few free purification as long as the understanding is correct, the perspective is right. If somebody's going to complain through these things, then it's a difficulty. Where, in fact, the hype, the reality, the hype, there's aspects of hype, there's aspects of reality. You know, there is the aspect of toning down something, there is the aspect of hyping up something. We're not denying that there's a reality out there that people are dying. There's no doubt about that. 
And the projection showed that up to 80% of the population could catch this. Although, alhamdulillah, the majority, according to the predictions, are going to get better. But we're going to lose quite a few people. That's a projection. And, and that's understandable according to what's happened in other countries like Italy, China, etc. That trajectory is understood. That's the thing. It's like saying tomorrow it's going to rain. Right? Or when you look at your weather apps, it shows you the next seven days. In fact, it shows you the next 15 days or even more of a pro projection of what may happen. And that's completely fine. Because everybody knows that's estimation. That's estimation. You can adjust your life accordingly. But lots of times we've seen, lots of times we've seen that even the weather, right? It, even tomorrow it does not rain. Even the same day where the projection is that it will rain at 6 o'clock, there's hardly any rain. Things can change. And I'm saying this, uh, this is something I'm going to speak about later in more detail in another talk. To just show instances in our history where things seemed inevitable. There was imminent danger, unavoidable. Everybody thought it was it. But when people ran to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he started giving the sadaqat and charity, when he started to glorify Allah and seek forgiveness for their sins, to remove that filth that was preventing the rahmah from coming down, then subhanAllah there was a change. Now, that is something that we really need to think about today and consider for ourselves. That this, the, the, the worst of it can be avoided. The worst of it can be averted. Some people are definitely going to die. There's no doubt about that. We may ourselves be inflicted, but we can still change the projection. That's a possibility. Because nobody can say for certain that's going to happen. These are estimations. And we need to have that hope, at least for ourselves, so that we can, inshallah, any, uh, even psychologists will tell you that a huge amount of depression, uh, despondency comes from one's perspective. When enough people tell you and they do gaslighting is a concept that you are sick. For example, there was a teacher and there was a really smart kid in the class. And that teacher, you'd never used to miss a day. That teacher used to come in every day regardless of what was happening outside. Right? Regardless of what virus was outside or whatever the case is. That's a bit of an exaggeration. One of these smart kids, he decided that we're going to play a trick on the teacher. So he told a few of the students what to do. So when the teacher came in, he said, uh, or he met him by the door of the school or something, he said, Mr. So-and-so, like, you know, you look, uh, you look a bit pale today. Are you, do, do, do you have a, uh, a fever or are you sick? So the teacher immediately in his normal way is like, no, I'm completely fine. Go, get, go and sit in class. And then as he carries on, there's another student that comes up and says, uh, Mr. Smith, or whatever his name was, are you okay today? You, you don't look very well. And again, the teacher said, no, no, I'm completely fine. There's nothing wrong with me. Go and sit in class. I'll see you in class. Now, we're human beings. So suddenly, the, the, there's now a slight doubt that crosses the teacher's mind. When he gets into class, another one or two students say the same thing. And now it's solidified. Now he's got 40% or 50% idea that he's got a problem. So you can tell now his face has changed and the way he's teaching is different. And I think then somebody else says it and finally he decides, decides that he calls his, calls his wife or he goes home, eventually goes home. 
And he said, I'm so sick, you need to get me a blanket and so on and make me some soup or whatever. And his wife looked at him and said, you're not sick, what's wrong with you? You've got no problem. He said, no, all the students are telling me in the class that I'm sick and you have no mercy on me. You have no love for me that you're, you're saying this. Made him sick. So that's why it's very important to keep optimistic. Of course, we understand the projections, we expect the worst. But we need to, inshallah, prepare, take our precautions. But the hope needs to be up. And that's very important. So this hadith tells us that if we do go through difficulty through ourselves, our loved ones, inshallah, it's an atonement of sins. When you see the silver lining, when you see a benefit coming from something, then it actually makes you feel like it's worth it. One of the greatest uh, sense of uh, deprivations is when you think that you have to go through a suffering for nothing. Like, what's the benefit of this suffering? I'm not getting anything out of it. Why should I try? That's really detrimental. That's why in Islam, there's a hope is huge. That's why the Prophet ﷺ said, "Ajaban li amril mu'min fa'inna amrahu kullahu khair." Right? For a believer is an astonishing matter. What a wonderful state, status it is for the believer that any matter they go through, whether it's good prosperity or difficulty and loss, it's good for them. But they have to make sure they do shukr and sabr. That takes the difficulty and elevates it to a state of purification and a source of reward for the people. The next hadith that I want to quote is from uh, Jabir radiallahu anhu. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, this is Bukhari's narration, قَالَ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَىٰ إِذَا تَلَيْتُ عَبْدِي بِحَبِيبَتَيْهِ ثُمَّ صَبَرْ عَوَّطُّهُ مِنْهُمَا الْجَنَّةِ Obviously, يُرِيدُ عَيْنَيْهِ in this case. This is specifically about the eyes, but we can get an understanding from this. Uh, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, when I afflict, so this is the Prophet sallallahu speaking from Allah, that Allah said that when I afflict my bondsman, meaning when I afflict my slave, with his two beloved possessions. And generally, out of all of the senses we have, the eyes are very important because they're multifaceted. They provide stimulus for many different things. So, if I am to afflict my bondsman in their eye, so they have eye problems, or they lose their eyesight, and then he exercises patience, so he understands that there's something worth being patient for. That's the secret here. Do we understand that there's something behind this? There's a wisdom behind this that we may not understand. But at least I know I want to use this to the best. I'm going to take this opportunity. I'm not going to lose this opportunity to get the reward from Allah so he's patient. Then Allah says, I will grant him Jannah in lieu of this. Yet another hadith is the Prophet ﷺ said, as related from uh, actually, Jabir, the, the Prophet ﷺ said to Ummu Sa'ib, the mother of Sa'ib, Muslim narrates this. Jabir says that the Prophet ﷺ said to Ummu Sa'ib that don't curse fever. Fever is going around. It seems to be one of the symptoms. Do not curse fever. I know it's debilitating. Fever is debilitating. When you have fever, you don't feel like doing anything. In a hot room, you feel cold. These are, it's, it's, quite, a, it's quite a challenging illness. The Prophet ﷺ said that, Don't curse fever for it removes the sins of the Banu Adam. In the manner in which the furnace 
removes rust from iron. That's intense. Because to get iron purified or any other ore purified, you have to put it into a kiln or a furnace. And that purifies it. So the idea here is that this is a sense of purification. And we must embrace that because otherwise we have nothing to be patient for. Another hadith, Anas anhu reports that the Prophet said, إِذَا ابْتُلِيَ الْمُسْلِمْ بِبَلَاءٍ فِي جَسَدِهِ قِيلَ لِلْمَلَكِ اُكْتُبْ لَهُ صَالِحَ عَمَلِهِ الَّذِي كَانَ يَعْمَلُ فَإِنْ شَفَاهُ غَسَلَهُ وَطَهَّرَهُ وَإِنْ قَبَضَهُ غُفِرَ لَهُ وَغَفَرَ لَهُ وَرَحِمَهُ Anas is saying here that the Prophet said, if a Muslim is afflicted, now this has to be a Muslim because they've got the essential element of belief of how to have a perspective here is a Muslim is afflicted with a bodily affliction any kind of illness in the body and of course this virus is actually affecting the body an angel is addressed, an angel is ordered to continue recording any of the pious deeds that he had been able to do in a state of good health so if this person was coming to the prayer and now the, the, the masjid is not you know, the masjid is out of bounds because people are told to pray at home, you know, for good reason. There's people out there who are feeling really bad about this. In fact, one of the messages we got yesterday from someone is that it's affecting my belief that I can't go to the masjid. But obviously, this has been taken in for good reason, according to good advice, right? According to good practical advice that that's why, you know, uh, we, 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 uh, many masajid are severely restricting people, right? Entirely needy, right? And uh, so people who feel bad about this, they must realize that whatever reward they used to get from going to the masjid, inshallah they'll get it at home for free. That's the generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, the government is saying that, you know, we're going to give uh, this much percentage of uh, your salary if you can't work and so on and so forth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has declared this, that you get your rewards. Of course, there's a certain stimul spiritual stimulation you get from the masjid. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us that sitting at home. So the angel is told that you need to continue writing any other good deed that they used to do, whether that be other work that they, they would do. Now they're sick maybe, right? Maybe they're not sitting at home, but they're sick. And they can't actually physically get up and do the prayers, that, uh, the extra prayers that they used to do, the fasting that they used to, you know, the nafil, optional fasting. They will get the reward inshaAllah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has his whole system in place. And then the Prophet said that if Allah then grants him recuperation, meaning if Allah cures him afterwards, he will then cleanse him and purify him. So this difficulty that they just went through, this sickness, illness in the body that they went through, or any loss that they suffered, it will actually, if they get out of it, then they're purified. It's been a purifier for them. They've just been sent through a washing machine. On the other hand, if he grants him death, then he will forgive them and give mercy to them. SubhanAllah, if somebody dies through this, they are a form of shaheed. The second category of shaheed, which who are considered to be those who do not die on the battlefield, but they die in unusual circumstances, which is a lot of people. There's about 70 different categories mentioned in this regard. And one of them is those who die with a stomach illness through a plague. Now, this is not quite a plague, right? Uh, it, it, but it is... Uh, uh, something nearing that 
So it's definitely unusual circumstances. They're considered a martyr. From the past. They will rise on the day of judgment as a martyr. And that for anybody who's read the Quran, Sunnah and our tradition will know that martyr has some of the hugest, the greatest rewards. Enviable rewards. Enviable rewards. So you're not dying. If people die, they're not dying for nothing. And you know what's the most amazing? We're going to have loved ones, right? We probably all know of someone somewhere who's in hospital right now or who may have passed away. Right? And this is going to happen. Whether it's a virus or not, people are going to die. Eventually, we're going to die. Our parents will die if they haven't already. Right? Our children will pass away. And what's amazing is that anybody who dies as a shaheed, anybody who dies in a difficulty like that, they are going towards a better place. It's very difficult for us because we're losing someone. We can't see the beauty and the, and the bliss that they're going to. Their time in this world is up. Their time in this world is up. But we can't tell the goodness that they're going to. The Prophet said, Tuhfatul Mu'mini al For the true believer, their gift is death. Because their true belief makes them understand the hereafter to be, to be superior to this world. The more you think this world is so important, in comparison to this world, is important. This is where we reap, where, where we do our good deeds and we sow for the hereafter. So we're not diminishing this world. But this world is never going to be superior to the hereafter. For a believer, paradise is amazing. So for a person who understands that, and now the world is insignificant in their eyes, then death is finally the entry point, that gift for them. So they're gone, but obviously their loved ones, they find it difficult. The same father, the mother, the friend, the sheikh that you had around you, that assisted you, that guided you, that was a support for you has gone. They've gone to a better place, for them it's perfect. It's different perspectives. But this is to give us more hope. Number five, the next hadith I want to mention is from Muhammad ibn Khalid al-Sulami who relates from his father and his grandfather that Rasulullah said إِنَّ الْعَبْدَ إِذَا سَبَقَتْ لَهُ مِنَ اللَّهِ مَنْزِلًا لَمْ يَبْلُغْهَا بِعَمَلِهِ If Allah has predestined for somebody a very, some high lofty status which they don't have the deeds to reach but for some reason, for something that they've done, Allah wants to give them a high status and they know that they're going to achieve that. But they don't have the actions, the deeds, the hard deeds to do that with. This is the concept of suffering in Islam. This shows you the wisdom of why suffering takes place. Some suffering takes place. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will test that person will challenge that person with regards to something of their body or their wealth or their children. They will undergo that test. There will be a loss. There will be some debilitation. There will be suffering. But Allah, the Prophet said, ثُمَّ صَبَّرَهُ عَلَىٰ ذَلِكَ صَبَّرَهُ عَلَىٰ ذَلِكَ حَتَّى يُبَلِّغَهُ الْمَنْزِلَ الَّتِي سَبَقَتْ لَهُ مِنَ اللَّهِ Until through the sabr and the patience, because Allah gives them patience, they will be able to reach that status that Allah had appointed for them. This tells you that our trial, like anything that we are suffering, whatever that may be, the nature of it is going to be defined by our reaction. So if we respond 
with complaints and despondency, then it's most likely a punishment for us. If we respond with istighfar, that maybe this is to do with some of my sins and I need to seek forgiveness for them and thus this trial will go away, then that is purification. And thirdly, which is the ultimate, is we see this is from Allah. He wants to get me somewhere. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to keep my hopes high. And there's something in this for me. Then this is exactly what the Prophet said. Because Allah then will give you the sabr. If you don't have the sabr, ask Allah for it. That, oh Allah, do not deprive me. Do not make me of those who you give difficulty to or difficulty comes upon. And you don't give them patience because that is truly wretched. Ask Allah for patience. And the way to do this is that don't wait for the suffering to ask Allah for that. And start off with wretchedness, with despondency. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to build that immunity right now. Through these narrations, the Prophet ﷺ is telling us, and that's why we're putting this out right now, right? That this is the way to build hope, perspective, to see things correctly. So if we are struck, I mean, they're saying 80% of people are going to maybe go through this. So it is extremely important that we get our perspective right, our faith right, so that if it does happen, we, we deal with it. And inshallah, psychological benefit of this is that when a person knows that they, they're doing something for something, cancer sufferers, so, many, so much research. I have my own mother's example, may Allah have mercy on her, that when she fought, she fought for 10 years, over 10 years. And mashallah, she managed to overcome. Death wasn't written yet. Eventually when death was written, then she had to go. And may Allah put her in a high place. Jannatul Firdaus. So Allah gives sabr. Allah gives sabr. Then and that, that hadith was related by Imam Ahmad and Imam Abu Dawood. The next hadith is related by Imam Tirmidhi from Jabir radiallahu anhu. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, Subhanallah. Yawaddu ahlul afiyati yawm al-qiyamah hina yu'ta ahlul balai al-thawab law anna juludahum kanat quridat fi dunya bil maqarid. This is intense. The Prophet ﷺ said that the people who had well-being in this world, afia, they weren't afflicted too much. On the day of judgment, when they will observe those who were afflicted. Now, you see, if you look around in your circle of friends, one of you or more, whether that's yourself or someone else, if I just look through people I know, one, more, one or more of you, at least, are going to be those who are always running into some kind of trouble. Whether that be an accident, loss of job, suffering in their family. But I, there's one friend I know, I, you know, I've known him for now probably nearly 20 years. And whether sometimes it's an accident, sometimes it's a children issue or whatever. But the calmness. Is there yet another person I'm very close to me who's gone through some major financial difficulties? And so many times I was worried that anybody else in that situation, you hear their stories that they commit suicide. Like huge financial difficulties. I don't pray that upon anybody. But Allahu Akbar, the iman that this person has, the sabr, you never see a line of grief on his face. Never seen him, you know, never seen him worried. 
his explanation of things will tell you that there's difficulty, intense difficulty, no doubt. Never seen a line of worry on his face. And now I can say seven years, the difficulty, at least seven years of intense difficulty, he kept doing his work. He kept doing his religious work as well that he was doing with pure, complete diligence. Complete diligence. I, say, I, I don't think a lot of people would have survived that. Not at all. Allah gives them that patience. There's just some people, they have more loss, but that's what is, this hadith is saying that those people who hardly had a difficulty, and may Allah make us of those who don't have difficulty, to be honest, because it's difficult in this world, and may Allah also give us the a'mal to take us high. But look at this, this is that there will be people who will have been of those who have no difficulty in this world, who are generally have well-being. On the day of judgment, when the people of difficulty will be given their reward for their difficulty, free reward for the difficulty, just patience, right, through patience, they would then wish, the people of Afia and well-being would then wish, had their flesh been totally stripped in this world, using strippers, iron combs, knives, that the reward they're getting is huge. Because now they understand that the hereafter is everything. The world was a transitory place, a temporary abode, a pass-through, a causeway. This is the real one, but that's so difficult for the majority of us to fathom. This world is everything for us. It's everything. That's why whatever happens here matters so hugely. That's why for a believer, it's absolutely necessary to build the vision of the hereafter, to understand the hereafter, to understand they will be able to go through this with ease, inshallah. I mean, in the past, we've had plagues throughout history, throughout the time, starting from the time of the Sahaba, through Umar radiallahu anhu, a huge plague where literally thousands of Sahaba, thousands of the believers of that time passed away. Other times when 1.5 million people just in one city were killed through a plague. Egypt has gone through so much of this difficulty. If you look at the histories during the time of the Mamluks and others, where people were reduced to eating animals like cats and dogs because there was just nothing subhanallah so this is Allah's way in this world we just hope Allah spares us that Allah has a good plan for us may Allah have a good plan for us may Allah allow us to deal with this in the best way and finally the last hadith I'm going to quote to you today is Aisha radiallahu anha reports that the Prophet sallallahu said إِذَا كَثُرَتْ by the way, the previous hadith was from Tirmidhi, this hadith that I'm going to quote now is from Imam Ahmed's Musnad again. That So Aisha reports that the Prophet said, when a person's sins become immense, they become too much. And Allah has good in store for them. Allah has, has a good, has goodness in store for them. But these people, they don't have enough deeds to automatically expiate for these wrongs. They're not making enough tawbah, they don't have enough deeds even to do that. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them some grief. He will test them with some grief so that the purpose of it is purification. All of that 
gets purified for them. That's why today is a time of huge reflection. You know, I'm not as, to be honest, uh, I, I don't want to be, I, I don't want to make it even more difficult for people, but I, I'm not even worried about the interim period of the virus. It's a concern, but I'm worried about where this could lead to. Right? Mostly, most people are just focused on getting through this period of difficulty of the virus and illnesses and sickness and people dying. I'm more worried about what comes later. Wallahu a'lam what Allah has in store for such a small thing. And it's not even as critical as some of the other viruses, but they just didn't spread as fast enough or as much. But they're more deadly. You don't survive them. This one, most people apparently will survive. But it's just spreading fast. So everybody, you know, most people are going to be affected in some way or the other, whether themselves or somebody else. But more what I'm worried about is what's happening in the world. Economy. The luxury, luxurious lifestyles that we have. What's going to happen to that? That's something we need to really start for. This is going to be an adjustment maybe going back to basics. I just visited Bengal. I had to go to India two weeks ago, about one and a half weeks ago, two weeks ago, for a very important conference that we'd worked very hard for. And I started off from a state, one of the, very po one of the poorest states of India is Bengal, West Bengal. And I was taken to a village about an hour or more from Calcutta. And mashallah, I mean, the, the scholar we stayed with, mashallah, you know, he traveled a bit, so he was able to, you know, make it feel like home for us. But he said, people don't drink milk here. They don't have the money. They drink black tea. Uh, Indians don't drink black tea, right? They like their dood patti, as they say. But these people, so my friend, Mullah uh, Ilyas is saying, but don't people want to have milk? He says, no, there's just no habit. They, they can't even have a custom habit to have milk, like an essential. They, they just have black tea in the morning. They don't have goat meat hardly ever because it's just too expensive. Goat meat, mutton, is just, just not there. They may just get some other meat, otherwise it's vegetarian. Now, they, they're not going to be really impacted by it, except maybe the sickness and illness aspect of it, and the medicine and so on. May Allah help them, assist them. But otherwise, they're not rushing to the stores to buy stuff. They don't have to hit toilet paper, right? They don't need, I mean, I mean, a lot of Muslims around the world, Muslim countries and other places, they use water anyway, right? So there's no big deal for them in that sense. They don't have to rush for, you know, hand sanitizers and that kind of thing. This is probably not even on their radar. It's us where we're already seeing the shortages. Companies are going bust. People are going to be losing their jobs already. Now, government is providing stimulus. How long for? When things like that happen, when people are in a sense of desperation, I mean, America is putting out a trillion dollars. That's unprecedented amount of money that they're going to try to push in to keep a product because they understand it's a very difficult situation. So to be honest, the, this is the immediate issue we're looking at, but... It's what's to come after that, potentially, possibly, is what we really need to prepare for. And without Iman, we're nothing. Without Iman, we're nothing. Without cutting back on the consumerism, it can't carry on. It's just been going on for too long.
Because there's going to be less products. There's going to be less things, less luxuries that you're going to be able to... I mean, when we say luxuries, those luxuries are no longer luxury. They're, they're everyday essentials for us. Luxuries have become essentials for us. Already companies saying that they're going to literally cut out non-essential products. Manufacturing, they're going to focus on essential products. It's just a readjustment to the basics. Maybe that's a good thing. We're going to have to embrace these things to be able to manage them. I mean, subhanAllah, Venice canals, you can actually start seeing the fish now. Because there's just less people messing it up. Right? Maybe there's going to be less plastic, so the oceans will become cleaner. I mean, look at what kind of curse the fish has been given the humanity. Because we know they do dua for us. It says about the talibul ilm, the one who studies the deen of Allah to be able to help others and sustain them. Hatta al-hitanu fil Up to including the fish in the ocean, pray for them. Because they're providing goodness in the world. And maybe we've just not done our part. It could be so many reasons. We've, we've not done our part. The whole aspect of cleansing, cleaning the ocean is just a few years old. So maybe now the oceans, the water, the fish, the sea creatures and others can breathe a sigh of relief. There'll be less consumption. People will be more considerate and careful. And if we're still not, then we have to be worried. We have to start taking it easy. There has to be a multi-pronged approach to dealing with this. Raise our iman, understand the nature of these things and focus on what our Prophet has told us of how to live in this world. Just because, mashallah, things are available, you can literally, Amazon Prime, instant gratification, same day or next day delivery of things and thus we just buy. And again, if we need something, we buy. But just to buy, 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 it's going to have to stop. Can't carry on like this. There's a reason that this virus has happened. Like, can you imagine it? A bat maybe infects an animal, somebody consumes the animal. There's lots of theories of how exactly that happened. It was carried most likely by a bat who can, you know, inflicts a certain animal. That animal is then sold uh, for, for its meat, you know, like a normal, it could be a cow or whatever it is. And somebody eats it and then it spreads from there and it gets to other parts of the world. This could have happened 50 years ago. It could have happened 20 years ago, but it happens today. Something that's so simple. Why didn't it happen before? There has to be a power behind this. There has to be a timetable here. So we need to start understanding the awesomeness of Allah's power through a small virus. It's literally like war situation without a war. And when you're in that situation, people get confused. It's a fitna. That's why there's been various reactions. The government has made mistakes, right? Uh, lots of people have criticized the government and others. They could have various different things. Masjids have made mistakes, right? Uh, some have decided to keep open, some have decided to close. You know, there's various opinions. We do not need people to start condemning one another right now. It's not useful. We need to stop that. This is not a moment to do politics. And I'm not saying everybody's doing politics. There's people who, like especially some doctors, I mean, they're overworked. I could completely understand their frustration. They're seeing it from one perspective. 
But you have to remember, scholars have to see it from a varied num number of people because they're responsible in front of Allah. And if they make a mistake, they've made a mistake. Right? Anybody can make a mistake. But let's not, you know, if we want to advise one another, the best way to advise one another is to do it through politeness, compassion, and care. Then the other person is more likely to accept what you're saying. If you're going to go and start condemning people, right, for their, what they've done, or for what they haven't done in your perspective, even if you're right, you don't expect them, you know, that, that's not the way people accept criticism. And what's the point? We need to support one another in this case. To get out of this, we need to support one another. So what's the point of this? If frustration should be vented to Allah. Use the right means to do things. But to basically, you know, the, the social media, we need to stop using that for the wrong thing today. Social media is a luxury in many cases. You know, the constant WhatsApp bombardment of information about the virus and this happened then, it's not useful, you know now. Most people I think now who've been on there for this long know everything related. That's important at least. You don't need to be on there a hundred times a day or more to basically get the little trickle of bite-sized dopamine-inducing uh, messages. Go pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Make some dua. Have a, there's a lot of people who are at home. Children are at home. Husband, wives are at home. Can I have to get a timetable? timetable of how to make this time productive how to make this time productive otherwise marriages are going to break down there's a lot of families who are not used to being together for so long they may even be in a confined space they may be socially awkward with one another if that's the right term or family awkward whatever you call that that's more important look after your own families and people around you how are we going to look after our, old, uh, our elderly who are really vulnerable, where you can't even go and give them a hug? You have to avoid that. How do we keep the morale up? How do we, how do, we do that? That's why I think it'd be wonderful if we can make certain timetables for ourselves of what we want to achieve during this time. And a big part of that needs to be istighfar, seeking forgiveness from Allah, introspection like complete introspection not just about our sins and stuff like that but about our way of life about our perspective about the people we've wronged that we may still be wrong about people that we owe money to we another important aspect of this is uh, clearing our balance this is the time to clear our balance because nobody knows just because you're 30 years old and you think you're not going to die now i'm not trying to create hysteria here but anybody can die if not from the virus, from some other reason. But this is a time to clear our balance, which basically means clear our balance from money that we owe. If we basically usurp somebody's property, whether that be land or whatever the case is, we've got silly arguments with people just for a bit more land that you don't even need, to be honest. You know, subhanAllah, there's certain countries in the world where people own land because they moved to this country now, but they own land in those countries. And the market is dead anyway. Right? They can't sell it, nobody's buying, but it's still holding on to it and breaking down families. They're not speaking to their own brothers and sisters or their cousins because of this little bit, bit of land. 
if this current situation is not going to teach us, then I don't think any, anything can teach us until we die, and then it's too late. J just make amends, take a hit. The Prophet ﷺ said that whoever avoids a dispute, even though knowing that they're correct, and generally in this, everybody thinks they're correct anyway. So even if you think you're correct, even if you know you're correct, and you avoid the dispute, and you just resolve it, that you, you basically just diffuse it, you get a place in the middle of Jannah. Worth it. That is worth it. You see, the solution of everything is to understand the hereafter, which is our inevitable home that we're going to be there for a very long time. So get rid of those kind of silly disputes. Really, they're silly. They might be big in money, but they're silly, seriously. And number two, uh, fasting that we must keep. We get zakat. Outstanding zakat is... It, your, your money is going to be affected. If you haven't given zakat, it means you haven't purified your money. Zakat, the word zakat means purification. Purification of a person who gives zakat, purification of their wealth. A hadith in Sahih Muslim said, zakat is essentially... What they give out is wasikhu amwal nas is the dirt of the wealth of people because in all of our wealth, I mean, where exactly it comes from, has a bit of impurity in there. And if that is not removed, it's like a virus that will affect it. And there's a cure for this virus. There's a cure for that virus, which is to give out the money, to just separate it. So if you haven't given zakat, give zakat. In fact, forget zakat, we need to give sadaqah because sadaqah is calms the anger of Allah. As-sadaqatu tutfi'u ghadab al-rab. And number three, I mean, I, I've forgotten the numbers here, but number three is our salat. We're going to have time now. So let us determine how many salats we've missed since we've become mature. Let us think about that. And with that calculation, whatever estimation, whether that be one year full of fajr, or all the prayers since we became, you know, we didn't pray for two years or three years. We used to pray sometimes. Whatever, just make an estimate. Start off with some working estimate and then start making up those prayers. And I'm not going to repeat that here, but on Zamzam Academy, we should have uh, a talk on how to make up the Qadha prayers and the strategies and the hacks to do this well. But you've got time now. This is what we need to turn to and inshallah, we will come out of this better than we were before. Inshallah. We need to do these things so we will come out better than before, we'll be stronger than before, inshaAllah, closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why the hadith says that if Allah takes them out, they'll be purified and forgiven. And they'll be purified. And if we have to go, then we'll be forgiven at least. That's what we need to do right now. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to assist us and help us. The masjid's being, uh, the, the masjid's being sh shut to so many programs and everything like that. Uh, imams should uh, basically and committees should actually provide other means like we're doing right now where this is just a broadcast right to to the homes and online and other places so education inspiration go look for it if you can't get it go look for it because that's gonna need you're gonna need it otherwise you're gonna be the house situation is gonna be difficult you know when would somebody ever think staying at home would be so difficult Allah make it easy Allah make it easy اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تباركت يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان ويا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين جز الله عنا محمدا ما هو أهله يا معدن الجود والكرم 
يا أرحم الراحمين يا خير المسؤولين ويا خير المعطين ويا أكرم الأكرمين Have your mercy upon us. Oh Allah, we are in desperate need of your mercy. We are always in desperate need of your mercy. Oh Allah, we're in need of your forgiveness. Oh Allah, this is what, what's going around is create, has created a lot of despondency. Oh Allah, a lot of difficulty has people suffered. Oh Allah, we ask that you remove us from this. Oh Allah, in the past there have been so many afflictions that seemed inevitable, but oh Allah, you turned them away. Oh Allah, we ask that you turn this away from the people of the UK. Oh Allah, that you make our deeds worthy of this. Oh Allah, that you employ us in such deeds, you use us in such deeds that are beloved to you. Oh Allah, that you allow us to wake up from our negligence, our heedlessness. Oh Allah, and you do not deprive us further. Oh Allah, we ask you for complete afiyah. We ask you for a complete afiyah. We ask you for a permanent afiyah and well-being. And then above all, we ask, that, we, we ask that you grant us the ability to thank you for your afiyah. Oh Allah, so far you have given us more than so many others in the world. There are people who are suffering in various parts of the world before this virus hit us. Oh Allah, now we are feeling some of this pain. Oh Allah, it's, for a lot of people it's even worse than the war that people have gone through. That despite being at, despite having peace on the roads, despite having no, air, no aeroplanes and fighter jets bombing and showering down their bombs upon people. Oh Allah, people are cowering inside their homes. Oh Allah, we ask that you strengthen us. Oh Allah, that you grant us harmony between us. That you, allow the, you do not allow the shaitan to create acrimony between us and hatred and for no reason. Oh Allah, that you allow us and guide us to make the right choices and the right decisions. Oh Allah, these are difficult times and a lot of people are confused. Oh Allah, they're torn between various different demands, various different tensions. Oh Allah, allow us to make the right choices and the right, the right, and do not punish us if we make the wrong choices. Oh Allah, we ask that you grant us understanding, you grant us discernment, you grant us your closeness. Oh Allah, we ask you for your love and the love of those whose love will benefit us in your court. Oh Allah, we ask that you really allow us to use this time to purify ourselves. And not just ourselves, but our lives from the excesses that we become used to. Oh Allah, the excessive consumptions that we become used to. The excessive indulgences that we've become used to. Oh Allah, the sins that we commit by the very wealth that you give us. Oh Allah, do not make whatever you have given us a source of burden for us, a source of sin for us, a way of taking us away from you. Oh Allah, make it a rahmah for us. Oh Allah, we ask that despite the fact that Children will not be able to study in, the mas in, the, in their madrasas and masjids and in their schools and other places. That, oh Allah, you grant from your khair and from your ghayb and from the realm, the treasures and the powers of your unseen, a way to allow them not to be, not, not to be left useless during these times and to, uh, to do that which is good for them and allow the parents and others the, the tawfiq and the enablement to prepare well for this. Oh Allah, allow there to be a spirit of mutual assistance and harmony in the communities here. Oh Allah, so that we can assist one another. And that Allah put into our hearts the desire to want to help others. Oh Allah, those who have hoarded, oh Allah, put into their desire to share with others. Oh Allah, grant us tawakkul and i'timad. Grant us tawakkul and reliance upon you. Oh Allah, suffice us, suffice us with what you have given us. 
give us complete satisfaction with what you give us, so give what you have given us, so that we don't feel that we ha- we don't have much, and we also do what other people are doing. Oh Allah, we ask that you allow the barakat and your blessings to be spread far and wide, so everybody can receive your blessings. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you grant us blessings in our homes, in our health. Oh Allah, above all, in our iman. Oh Allah, there are people who are becoming despondent because they don't understand your workings and the way you administrate the affairs of this world. Oh Allah, grant us a true understanding of these things. Oh Allah, grant us a true understanding of these things. Oh Allah, allow our leaders, both our immediate Muslim leaders, our council leaders, our country leaders, to do the right thing and to do that which is in the best interest of everybody. Oh Allah, and to also think about the wrongs and the incorrect things and the vices which have become prevalent in society to remove those and to actually think about those and to remove the vices and to cut down and curb all the wrongdoings that are taking place. Oh Allah, we ask you for true understanding in this regard. Oh Allah, assist us and help us. We have nobody but you. Oh Allah, this small virus is going around causing such a havoc to so many lives. Oh Allah, these are parts of your vast army. Oh Allah, you have been so patient until now. Oh Allah, you have been so patient. Now this has been released. Oh Allah, we ask that you allow us to come out of it with the best of it. Oh Allah, with the best of what it holds. And oh Allah, do not allow us to succumb to the evil of it. And do not make us of those who this is a punishment for. But oh Allah, make this a source of rahmah for us. Make this a source of mercy for us. Oh Allah, make this a source of mercy for us. Oh Allah, make this a source of mercy for us. And oh Allah, allow us to come closer to you during these times and thereafter. Make this a source of adjustment, a positive adjustment for our lives. Oh Allah, further we'd like to request your special, your special mercies to be upon those who are on the front line, who are delivering the food, who are in the hospitals, the doctors and the others who are working overtime, depriving their own families and, other, and, and their personal lives to do that which is, which is needed at this time. They're at the front. Oh Allah, grant them greater himma, grant them greater strength. And oh Allah, anybody else who's working to work hard with this, oh Allah, especially the ulama, give them... Uh, give us the give us the the required give us the required energy and the perspective to be able to hold uh, people's iman up. Oh Allah, the the doctors and the ulama are extremely crucial at these times. Oh Allah, we ask you for special strength, special strength, so that we can work in harmony and work on this well. Subhanahu rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun al mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.